Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome to another edition of On the Beat Live, Inside Carolina com podcast one of our many podcasts that we've been bringing you all summer will continue to bring you during the football season camp opens i believe thursday greg is that accurate well it actually opens on wednesday which is when the players report first practice is thursday nice so they uh they are about to get started in Chapel Hill. We are continuing to be going hot and heavy on Inside Carolina and InsideCarolina.com. Of course, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, the place to be to get your Carolina gear both online and in person down there on Franklin Street. If you're there, shop them, look after them. Uh, they're great friends of Inside Carolina. They're great sponsors of this podcast. I mentioned last week on the Beat Live, it's going to be at 9 o'clock, barring technical issues that I had tonight nine o'clock every Tuesday night from here on out main three will be myself Gregory and Greg but there may be some other people stepping in and, and doing some things over the course of the season the main thing is to get you a live interactive show from the beat writers of at Inside Carolina ask questions submit questions topics we'll talk about anything uh, we like to focus on the football team and the basketball team but any topic you want answered we can certainly look at take into account Today is a special show, though, and I'm going to let Gregory Hall, um, no longer intern Gregory Hall, if folks haven't known that by now, Gregory is a full-time IC staffer, so he's even got rank on me, folks. He's going to explain what we're doing here today, or this evening. It is a culmination of a lot of hard work, so I want him to share his baby with you. Yeah, so I had the idea while at ACC kickoff to let you guys inside Carolina readers to kind of create their own poll. Um, so we did UNC players only. There's 825 of y'all submitted your polls and you chose two quarterbacks, two running backs, two, three wide receivers, different positions had different numbers that you chose. Um, and then I considered each vote of those as like one point. And I compiled all the points and created three teams, a first team, a second team, and a third team based on just what you thought, just the votes and what you guys, who you guys thought were the best Carolina players based on talent level, playmaking ability, past performances, and then taking into account, I guess, future as far as a player ceiling, which I think played, that got a lot of players got a lot of hype as far as they'll see their ceiling, which you guys will see because there are some young bucks in there that got some praise that maybe haven't haven't performed yet but have definitely are on that hype train so yeah you guys want to get started we can get started i'm looking at the comments on youtube uh, a couple things one i used to have a gateway computer i probably had the first one it cost like three grand i don't even know what that is by the yeah, way yeah i'm familiar um and uh it is a fruit medley tonight greg barnes what's going on what's been up in the greg barnes world um, before we dig into Gregory's thing, give us an update on what Greg Barnes has been doing the last, I don't know, since we talked last, I guess last week. Just uh, getting things ready for, for camp. Once camp starts, it's 
uh, I was going to say one phrase that probably I shouldn't say. Uh, it's it's going to be be crazy. We've we've got a, a ton of access, and I think we pretty much have access every day that UNC has practice, which is great. And we're going to have a lot of availability with the assistant coaches, uh, which which has been rare, um, just in terms of you know, when the coaches are in in, in season. Uh, Mac and, and Jeremy would prefer those guys you know, not have to take time to, to speak with media where they got so much other stuff going on. And so uh, to be able to have those guys available during training camp is, is going to be great. Uh, and that's all but you know, maybe three days during the month of August. You know, once things start up on Thursday, we'll have, oh, we'll have access either with coaches or players. So, so a lot of content coming your way for sure. Uh, but just trying to get ready for all that, Tommy, trying to uh, finalize some things. Kids are still uh, full summer mode right now. They don't start back to school for another couple of weeks. So trying to get them somewhat in order before I dive into uh, full-time football. Yeah, it's going to be hectic. It has been a hectic um, last few months, um, but I was talking with Ben Sherman earlier today. It's just been crazy and it does not slow down at all in the season. At least during the season, there's some structure to uh, what's going on. If you discount 2020, there'll be some structure assuming things are the same, but uh, yeah, you're right. It, it's still, it, it's August and it's hard to believe it's already August when with that comes the, the race of covering Carolina football. Yeah, so, so speaking of, what day is it guys? It's August 2nd, I think. Tuesday. Tuesday, August it's the third. Saturday. Wow, see? It's a month from today. Carolina will be kicking it off against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Indeed. That is hard to believe. Friday night in Blacksburg. Um, I'll be there. I know y'all will be there. I'll be there in the stands because I want to see. I hope um, I'm there. I want to see Virginia Tech's swan song um, before that starts. Anyway, let's get started. I'm trying to keep up with questions. I'm trying to keep up with you guys. Gregory, let's figure out how you want to release this to best. Oh, I already created a PowerPoint. Oh, you really? You said organize it. I, I, I did. I, I just, I'm not used to telling somebody to do something. They actually do it. <laughs> so I, I'm not Ross Martin. I, don't I appreciate it. Tommy Ross. has two high school boys. So. Yeah. <laughs> One of which moves in up there in Chapel Hill in 11 days. So he's going to have to figure out on his own. Go ahead. Show you, share your screen, whatever these young kids do today. All right. Boom. <laughs> Share, present. So what are you guys seeing right now? I'm seeing inside Carolina reader, all UNC ballot with your, your head on the side. So you're seeing, you see the three of us on the side? Oh, you see, I, you just see my head. They see, I want to make sure that everyone sees the three of us. Chat, make sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm seeing it here. All right, cool. So if I click through, boom, look at that. Selection criteria, talent level playmaking ability. If you hear the clicks of my mouse, you're just going to have to deal with that. Past performances, player ceiling. So Tommy, that's what the readers chose these players based out of. Okay. And how did you organize your ballot? Was it a fantasy type ballot? Was it a, uh, you know, explain that to us. So each, each reader selected different number of players at each position based on number of players that were eligible, things like that. Um, I wanted to try to get three teams. So that's why even though there were three quarterbacks, I just had people select two 
knowing everyone was going to select Sam Howell, although there were four people that didn't. And it has come to my attention that one of those people was Don Callahan. So uh, I don't share what his decision was. <laughs> um, and then and moved on from that as far as each player got one vote and compiled the teams based on uh, all of those votes and things like that. So, yeah, we'll get into it here. This is the first team offense. So I'm going to just do first person was quarterback, Sam Howell. First number here, number of total number of votes, and then percentage of vote. So if you guys, as you guys look at that, that's what that means and things like that. Um, so everyone knew Sam Howell was going to be on this first team offense. He was ACC preseason player of the year. Then we had Ty Chandler. People chose as the number one running back. Josh Downs was the number one wide receiver. Garrett Walston, number one tight end. All of this was obvious, and no, there weren't really many people deviated, as you can tell. And then O-line was interesting, as we'll see moving down here. But Azudu, who is the other offensive player chosen to the preseason All-ACC team here, is the number one O-lineman, and Jordan Tucker. So this was the UNC first-team offense as selected by you, uh, Inside Carolina's readers. So let me ask you a question. One, I'm watching on YouTube as well. I see exactly what you're showing the people on my screen. I still see the first slide of your PowerPoint. It does not has not changed on the screen itself. All that matters is what the people see. And I want to ask you a question. And Greg, I want to ask you a question based off what I'm looking at um, from these, these fan votes. I mean, these are people that are on Inside Carolina constantly. Jordan Tucker who I think we speak fairly highly, highly of and have, what is that, 63% of the vote? Only 63.4% of the fan vote. Is that surprising, Greg? It is. Uh, I assume that the if there's going to be a spot that wasn't close to unanimous, it would be the left, the left tackle spot, the opposite tackle spot with uh, Awesome Richards, which Jason Staples did a great write-up on him uh, this week. So that is a little bit surprising, Tommy. Indeed. I, I think, you know, I, uh, Gregory, can you reveal who the other four votes were, not named Sam Howell, not who, were, who they were? We know Don tossed a carrot out there. But who didn't vote for Sam Howell? No. Who did they vote for? Was it Drake or Jacoby Criswell? Well, they got two quarterback votes. So the four people that didn't cho choose Sam Howell voted for Jacoby Criswell and Drake May. Gotcha. So I understand how that. And Ty Chandler, of course, the runaway uh, running back there. And Josh Downs, no surprise. Garrett Wilson, no surprise. Uh, Gregory, from your looking at it, what was surprising to you? I think the offensive line is, has got to be that surprise. Yeah, um, and as we'll see here moving forward um, with the other offensive linemen, there were kind of three tiers. It kind of fit perfectly as far as who people thought were – like there wasn't a very big drop-off or there was a drop-off from Jordan Tucker to the number three offensive lineman. Um, but then three and four were kind of in the same tier as percentage of votes, and then five and six were also the same tier. And it didn't work like that with every position, as we'll see. Um, but I, I was expecting these two guys to be the top two offensive linemen, but I wasn't expecting Jordan Tucker to be so far away from a Zudu. Um, the first four kind of, they just make sense as far as Ty Chandler coming in his experience at running back. 
Um, and then Josh Downs is, of course, what he did. I think Josh Downs is riding a little bit of high from the Orange Bowl and Spring Talk, um, which is fair, and he'll probably be UNC's number one wide receiver. But if I think if we take this poll, um, I guess there probably wouldn't be another time. But outside of the Orange Bowl game, there's you haven't really seen much of Josh Downs. So he yeah. could finish here or he could not. I mean, we've only really seen one game. And I'll uh... – I'll, I'll apologize for my, my ignorance. I'm, I'm thinking about this in terms of, of all the offensive linemen because I haven't actually been looking at this screen. I've been looking at the intro screen. So now that I'm looking at it as Jordan Tucker was the second selection, um, I think Brian Anderson would have been the, the one that I would have picked as the second sure thing behind Azudu. Tucker probably would have been third for me for whatever that's worth. And I was going to ask you that, Greg, you know, Brian Anderson, I think if it, everybody talks about the left tackles, whatever they want to talk about, I think center in North Carolina's offensive line in the system, is that not the most important offensive line position um, for this team? Uh, or am I just thinking maybe I like the centers? They're always the unsung. If they screw it up, you know it. Um, but if they do their job, you don't really. I think Brian Anderson might be underrated here. Right. And it's interesting because if we're talking strictly about the center position, I think most people would say, well, left tackle typically is your most important because they're, they're really protecting the, the blind side. Uh, but when you have a veteran guy who is one of the leaders of the offense, right? I mean, if, if we're not talking about Sam Howe as the quarterback, Brian Anderson would be undoubtedly the leader of this, this unit. Um, and then you get into the aspect of, okay, we know a Zudu is a pro prospect. We know uh, Jordan Tucker for sure is. And we know Marcus McKeithen is. Austin Richards, maybe we'll get there. Brian Anderson, does he have potential to play at the next level? Sure. Uh, but he, he's really a great college player right now. Uh, not to say he can't make it to the NFL. But I think people kind of look at it like that, like in terms of potential – Brian may not have the same level of some of his teammates, but in terms of his utility with this particular offense at the college level, I mean, his value is, is sky high. Yeah, and I think Jason Staples did that. The scouting reports or reviews or the analyst, uh, analysis he's doing on the boards is a fantastic look into where these guys are. And, and ultimately, the only thing that matters – um, for the fan base and for inside Carolina readers and all is how they are in college. And I think Anderson's just his, uh, his value, I think is off the charts with this bunch. Yeah. And somebody asked on the, on the chat, why Sam Howell didn't get hundred percent folks, Sam Howell is the starting quarterback. Tommy Ashley is not going to vote for a starting quarterback Never has, never will. So uh, that's where the, the half a percentage point came from. No, that was Don Callahan. Uh, Don scoops Callahan. Keep that in mind. When Maybe you, Don we, knows we something we don't Don. know. I know Gregory tried to throw Don under the bus. but <laughs> You can't throw me under the I bus. I see the inner workings of all this. I, I know how it's going. Don obviously knows something that, that we don't know. So Do not start that. They wanted, Thursday, we could get a notification or from, uh, from Mac, hey, Sam Howell, not eligible. Watch out. Oh, Lord, you're going to start. Oh, it. Don't start that. <laughs> yeah, All right. Let's move that. on to first-team defense. Let's go first-team defense. Oh, there's the picture of Sam, by the way. I can't see it. 
Why? What, what do you mean you can't see? I see inside Carolina reader ballot. All I care about is what people are seeing on the message board or on, on the YouTube. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't help that you guys can't see it. Well, I'm, I'm watching YouTube at... now. So I'm oh, it's because it yeah. my screen sharing is paused. That's why you can't see it. What about now? Negative. Yeah. Hey, there we go. All right. They were seeing it and y'all weren't. That's weird. I hate technology. All right. First team defense. <sighs> Number one defensive lineman, Ray Vahasek. What were the guidelines again? Vote for two? You got – well, D-line was three. Okay. But there's two guys on the first team defense. Okay. Don't question my methods. These are the two defensive linemen. I see Greg's face, so I'm going to let him uh, hop in here before we move on to positions. Greg was making a little – he's confused by the selections here. No, not confused. Just, just I'm confused by the percentage. Um, I just – Raymond Vahasek is, is a lock. Uh to be the starting nose tackle. And um, I would say Miles Murphy is probably second in line to start on the defensive line. So uh, I think that just speaks to people having a lot of faith in some of the younger guys, which which is a good thing. There's a lot of talent on this defensive line. Do not underestimate the necessity for having experience and guys that have been in it on the defensive line. You know, a lot of these young guys are getting a lot of hype, whether it's Ritzy or, or, or whoever. And I think he'll he'll play a lot and then make a lot of plays. But Raymond Vahasek, Vahavik, as they always want to call him, and Miles Murphy even, those guys are going to be the most important guys to start the season at this position. So I, I, I agree the, the percentages are low for me, um, but I certainly don't disagree that their two names are up there. I was personally surprised Miles Murphy got as high at the vote and was the number two lineman. I thought it was going to be Ray and Tamari Fox. Just like, I mean, those were the two guys at the anchor last year. And so I figured it would have been this year, but that wasn't, that wasn't the case. So I thought that was interesting. I thought Murphy came on late in the season and maybe overtook Fox. Um, maybe it felt like that to me from the eyeball test. My eyeball test. And this mine, is, mine too. Yeah, and this is uh, one of those selections where when I put ceiling and potential that I think played the most role in looking at the D lineman because he's young, but he has a little bit, he's a little bit more proven than Javari Ritzy and Keyshawn Silver. So I thought that's why he was in there. All right. No, I just one outside linebacker here. Des Evans was the number one guy. So yeah. basically, this battle was him and Tamon Fox, and, wow. Des, and Des Evans won with one career sack to to mon fox's 21 to lawrence taylor basically right yes yes i guess so if you wanted to say that i i think this is it, it goes back to what i just said the experience and, and i think des evans will be really good he'll be better than Tamon fox you think he'll be better than Tamon fox this year what do you want yeah. to put on it i mean right I here also, live on on the beat podcast what do you want to put on it because i we, have, we would we would have to define what we mean by better Tamon Fox will have more sacks and more okay, tackles yeah, for no. loss. No. So how about this question? Did Des Evans live up to the hype and potential last year? No. Anywhere close? No. Okay. I agree. Um, and we heard great things about him this spring and the, the staff loves him. Uh, but Tamon Fox is a sure thing. Uh, Des Evans, He's got to make tremendous strides from last year to reach this level. Can he? Sure. And I know potential is part of the, the ratings, uh, but I think that's, that's important. If, he's, if he comes out gangbusters against Virginia Tech, 
then that really elevates the, the potential of this defense. All right, next is inside linebacker. Obvious here, Jeremiah Gemmel. I believe he had the highest percentage of votes. I, I mean, I'm defense. surprised that he's at 85%. You know, I would it would think higher? it would be 95. Yeah, right. I mean, this guy right here is just as good as Chaz Surratt. He will have just as good a year this year that got Chaz Surratt drafted fairly high, and he's more solid than Chaz Surratt, and that's not I, knocking Chaz Surratt. I think he's a better football player than Chaz. Chaz is a better athlete. He's going to test better at the draft, all those kind of things. But, but Gimbal, I think Gimbal's one of the best linebackers UNC's had come through in a long time. This is what you need. That guy, Jeremiah Gimmel, is what you got to have in this defense. Yep. There's your number one cornerback. Anybody shocked? A little bit. Not shocked that he's the number one cornerback. Everybody loves Tony Grimes, and rightfully so, but 96.5% picked high. him first. That's that's high. And there were pretty much – pretty much only three corners were selected. There was the four UNC's number four guy got like four votes. Dana Hollins. So this, yeah, to, to Tommy's point, like when you're looking at inside linebacker, you've got Gimmel and the other guys, and you're trying to pick who's the best or who's projected to be the best this year. And then you look at cornerback, and you've got Grimes, Duck, and McMichael. Yeah, I would assume cornerback would be much more split than inside linebacker. So that is a high percentage. And this is a function, and it's not wrong, right? But it's a function of the hype that we've seen Yes. in the offseason. And don't get me wrong, Tony Grimes is going to be really good this year. Storm Duck and Kyler McMichael are going to be really good this – so I don't see how you could – separate 96 what was storm ducks percentage do you have it in front of you is that something I, i'd be interested to see the breakdown you'll see those. it you'll see it so we will we will get there oh that's then, right we're doing second team but it's yeah, yeah, just there's three teams go ahead i'm sorry i stepped on you again and folks ask is this how we're doing this show we'll talk about some more stuff after the break but this is the grand reveal of mr gregory hall's all acc all unc ballot go ahead gregory so this next position, I combine safety and nickel, um, mainly because JQ will be playing both. Um, so I just kind of did cornerback separate from safety and nickel rather than doing all DBs because I didn't want to make everyone choose like only two DBs when they play different positions. So keep that in mind. But this is who they picked. Their safety slash nickel back as the number one guy. Out of those choices, I agree with that. Yep. So like out of him, Trey Morrison, Cam Kelly – Don Chapman, Geo Biggers, those guys. So then that rounds out the UNC all UNC first team. Let, let me let me get to a question right here on the on the YouTube chat. Bring would it. you would you pick Gimmel? Do you like Gimmel more? Do y'all like Gimmel more than you would on the field if he weren't such a great interview? I don't care. First of all, I don't interview him. You guys would have to answer that question. But Jeremiah Gimmel can play. And Jeremiah Gimmel covered a lot of the aforementioned Surratt's mistakes last year by doing his thing. I, I just think he is – he's going to be really, really good for this team. Um, and, and I don't care how he talks to you guys. I think he's just a fantastic football player, like Greg said earlier. 
Well, I do think, and I'm, I'm trying to pull up some of the PFF stats uh, just to kind of give people an idea. But I think people need to remember that uh, Chess Rat's job was a little bit easier last year because Jeremiah was the one that was calling in all the plays. Um, and so it kind of goes back to that Brian Anderson conversation of, you know, are we talking about sheer pro talent or are we talking about a guy that is a heady player that knows where to be, that's a good athlete, that gets the job done, and that's important to the defense? I mean, that's, that's Gimmel. Um, and that's why I thought – that's why I thought he was the best linebacker on the team last year. Um, you know, Chaz was Chaz. I mean, he had some, some great numbers and all those kind of things. Uh, but I just think – I think Gimmel was overlooked last year, probably 2019 as well. And I, I suspect this will be the year for him to really break through. I think with Gimmel, as far as interview-wise, I don't think it would make him – make us think he was not as good – but being a linebacker and seeing how smart he is and how much football knowledge he has, knowing that that's his job on the field as well as his play, I think helps as far as the question goes. You ask any football I mean, the coach. Scouts are going to love him. Yeah. And you ask any football coach, if you can have a dominant inside linebacker or Basically, other than a nose, I guarantee you they're going to pick an inside linebacker, especially when they're the leader of defense. I mean, look at the great ones across the course of everything. Lawrence Taylor, of course, Watton, but Singletary and all those guys in the pros. I mean, Gimmel is that type of difference maker um, for this defense. I mean, I think I think his his contribution this season will be immeasurable, especially if Carolina is supposed to do what they've been hyped to do. Someone just made a good point in the chat that pay attention to what Gimmel does pre-snap because it's, he'll be directing all of these young guys. He'll be directing the young defensive linemen. I guarantee you, I'm sure a game, probably a Virginia Tech game, how many times Jeremiah Gimmel taps one of the freshmen on the rear end on the line of scrimmage and yelling at him to like either scoot over, pick a different gap or something like that. Like he'll be all over stuff like that. Absolutely. What's next? Right. You guys ready for second team? Absolutely. All right, let's get it. Second team offense. So now, since there's only one at each position, and so like the ones that people chose two of or something like that, like these are the think of them as the number two guys as far as position wise, is what that means. So Drake May is your backup quarterback. Thoughts? Not surprising. I agree. That that ninety nine point five percent is so wrong, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that's there. <laughs> I'm glad to see your math classes were as good as mine while you were at Carolina. Whatever, whatever, four seventy six divided by eight twenty five. <laughs> that, that's what the percentage is. We'll say sixty. Um. So yeah, Drake May was your number two. So then Jacoby Criswell was number three. So I think part of that has to do with what we've seen out of Criswell because it hasn't been great in his small sample size. And honestly, Longo hasn't let him throw the ball very much. He's been kind of coming in and running. So that could change. And also just the hype around Drake May, especially him being a former Alabama commit, I think helps. Yeah, I think it's all hype at this point. I mean, I thought he looked good at times in the spring. I thought Chris Well probably looked better. Uh, but May's got the legacy. He's got the, the local aspect. Um, he's a heck of a player. I mean, Alabama's not going to recruit a kid that's not uh so i think uh i think this is right i, I think 
it's one of those situations. Um, trying to think what year that was. It'll come to me, but it's one of those situations where if the say Sam Howell gets hurt for an extended period of time, uh, you, you may want to lean on Chris well, cause you don't necessarily want to burn a red shirt. Although when you can play four games, that kind of changes things from what it used to be. Uh, but if it's just a matter of getting Drake some, some playing time, uh, I think Drake would be the number two guy. And then you kind of go from there. Greg, let me ask you a question about this. Um, depth chart comes out um, prior to the Virginia tech game or however they're going to release it. Um, is it one, two, three, or is it an or in there? I would imagine it's going to be an or, but here's the thing. The, the unique thing about this is during game week prep, typically you, you have two quarterbacks that you split reps. So Sam Howell won't get all the reps, but you also don't want a situation where you have three guys taking all the reps. Uh, and so I suspect it will be or, but I think we'll have a pretty good idea. Uh, it may be from some sources. It may not come out from, from Mac, although it could. Uh, but I think it'd be a situation where uh, there's going to be a definite number two who's going to get the bulk of the reps. Otherwise, uh, you're, you're doing the, the backup a disservice, not getting them enough reps. Yeah, I mean, and, and then you deal with what everybody has talked about over the last six, eight months. Um, and I won't mention the, the, the portal words or things like that. But yeah. Hey, it's, it's a real live thing, though. I mean, it's – we can hide from it, but it's, it's going to likely happen. Uh, may not be one of these two guys, may not be Chris Will or May. It could be, but it may be the next guy coming in. Um, and that's just the, that's the world we're living in. Mac Brown would love to have four quarterbacks on, on the roster all the time. Um, you know, that may, that may be a tough ask in, in the current landscape. Absolutely. Gregory. All right. Number two back. Guesses? Caleb Hood. Yeah, I'd go with Hood. Money. Yeah, I think this is the logical choice. Um, you know, I, Josh Henderson, watching the Orange Bowl, and we've talked about this already a lot, there were opportunities there um, for Josh Henderson to make plays that would have given him some Josh Downs-type height coming into this season. Um, in British books, saying you know, back when he had the opportunities, and those plays didn't happen. Um, I think Caleb Hood is a shiny new nickel. We talk about that a lot, but I think um, some of the plays he made in spring ha have gotten people uh, hyped about what he can do. I'd be interested to hear Greg's response. I, I think he brings a size and physical maturity ready-made to walk on the field and play in college football, I think. I mean, I think that pairs well with Ty Chandler. I do not believe – I could be wrong. We'll find out. I do not believe we'll see a situation where the one and two guys or, or there's two ones uh, where they split as heavily as Carter and Williams did last year. So, clear number two, I think, um, but definitely number two behind Chandler. Greg? Josh Henderson and British Brooks did not get a lot of love on this poll. And that's – go ahead, Greg. No, I was going to say, you know, I understand with, with British. Um, Henderson is interesting because he really – to me, he splashed in the scrimmages in the spring. I know he didn't play especially well in the Orange Bowl, 
uh, you know, maybe outside of the scrimmages, he wasn't uh, near the top of the leaderboard. But I, I thought he showed out in some of the scrimmages, which is kind of important. Um, you know, we'll have to see exactly what happens with Kamara Edmonds in camp and see yep. if he can make some noise. Uh, but I, I agree with Tommy. I think Chandler comes in, has a lot of experience. They like what he could do. Uh, they thought enough of him where they didn't feel like they needed to test him in the spring so they could, they could get some of the younger guys some opportunities. That says a lot to me because uh, Gimmel was the same way. Gimmel didn't take many snaps in the, in the spring because they knew what they had. Um, and for a guy to come in and only come in in January and that situation occur says a lot. So I think he's definitely going to be the number one guy. And it's just going to be a matter of somebody else can really push him. But I agree with Tommy wholeheartedly that Caleb Hood's just a, a different body type, a different style of runner. Uh, and I think he, he'll have a little bit of a niche that, that he can kind of carve out for himself. I think the make or break with Hood as far as gaining more snaps is what he can do with his hands because we know Longo loves throwing the ball to backs. And so I think if he can't succeed in multiple and being multifaceted, then he might only be in in there for certain plays and might reduce his snap count. That's just my, what I think can make or break his snaps this year. That and pass pro as well. Yeah, I was going. That's why they love Chandler, right? Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you, Greg, is, you know, Carter and Williams struggled at times with that two years ago, pass pro. And, they got significantly better at it, not perfect at it, but how much, um, how much of this young running back, how much playing time will their young running backs get based on their ability to protect Sam Howell or pick up blitzes and all that? Because I think in, in this offense, um, definitely that's a huge part of the running back um, getting snaps like Gregory mentioned, but I was thinking the same thing is that they've got to be able to do it because Sam cannot get hit as much as he did last year for whatever reason. And I think the running backs picking up um, a stray rusher is a big deal. For sure. And I think they'll have a very short leash with that. Um, you know, if they show they have the ability to run with the ball, they have the ability to catch. That's one thing. Uh, but if you get the Heisman candidate quarterback, knocked on his butt a couple of times, that's the easy way to be sent to the sidelines and, and not be allowed back on the playing surface. Absolutely. Certainly. All right, number two wide receiver. Guesses? Choppery. Bo. Oh, yeah. Oh. Boom. This was the closest among any of the position races. Number I'll two freely, versus number three wide receiver. I'll freely admit I blanked on Bo Corrales. I shouldn't have because I just watched his Bojangles commercial earlier. Oh, on <laughs> IG. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it's not surprising this was the closest uh, of the bunch. Greg, what do you think about the pick? And uh, no matter who's on that line right there, Corrales is going to play a ton and get a ton of opportunities. Sure. I, I'm a little bit biased. I've been on record since – January that, that Bo Corrales was going to be my breakout player for the offense, uh, provided he stays healthy. And I think that's the key thing. When, when Bo has been healthy, uh, he has the size, he has the speed, he has the kind of gritty mindset um, to really be a, a, a stud player and just a, a tough kid. And uh, I like what he brings to the table. Choffrey, of course, has blazing speed, uh, and I'm sure that he'll get behind some 
cornerbacks a couple times and how we'll be able to make use of that weapon. But I just really think you know, teams are going to have to choose, you know, is it, is it Josh Downs we try to bracket or is it Bo Corrales on the outside that's going to be the problem for us on an every down situation? And so I, I don't doubt that Choffrey Brown is going to be a splash player. I'm just not sure that he'll be as consistent as Downs or Corrales. He was number three in yards last year. Behind oh, that, but no, Choffrey. Yeah. Behind Daz and Diami. Bo only played five games, so that wasn't going to happen. Right. Yeah, and that's the key. He's got to stay healthy. But if you look at some of the plays over his career, he has manhandled smaller defensive backs, and that just adds – I mean, you're not going to be running free all day like Carolina was no. able to do with Diami and even Daz to a certain extent. But Corrales' ability to manhandle guys, um, the Georgia Tech back shoulder touchdown throw comes to mind. Uh, he just abused the corner. And to have a guy that can do that, and he's got a ton of experience and all that stuff. I think I like what Chaffee Brown brings. Um, the drops can't happen, but that'll come along. But I think Corrales probably should have been here when I think more about it. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing when you look back to last year, just kind of building on what you'd said, Gregory, about Chaffee being the number three guy in terms of yardage. Um, I mean, it was really Diami and, and Daz. I mean, Choffrey had 15 catches. Now, granted, he averaged 22 and a half yards per catch, uh, which helps. And that's kind of the splash play I was talking about. But beyond that, I mean, you're talking about Javante and Michael Carter had 50 catches out of the backfield, far beyond what anybody else had. Uh, and so I, I think as strange as it may be, the fact that Diami's gone and Daz is gone Howell's going to have more weapons at his disposal because not only are we talking about Choffrey and Bo and Josh Downs, Emory Simmons is a proven commodity. Um, Garrett Walston is going to be a proven commodity. So you've got some options. Antoine Green, we haven't talked about him. So there's a lot of guys that are poised to take a step forward, and I think that will benefit this offense much more than kind of what happened last year where, where Howell had two main guys that he utilized. I'm just going to run through these next three. It's tight end and then the two O-linemen. Tight end, there's no surprise here. It's Kamari Morales, really the only option as far as backup tight end. And, Greg, didn't you say last week that you think he'll stand out or hear him a lot in this training camp? I did, yes. And then two O-linemen. Number three O-lineman, Marcus McKeithen mm-hmm. and Brian Anderson. There we go. So then I have a picture of Choffrey there. Um, one of his That's 15. lovely, lovely graphic work, Gregory. Thank you, thank you. I haven't made a, I haven't made a PowerPoint since like <laughs> senior year of high school. I love um, how you introduced it. Right, right, right. Yeah. You, you probably could have thrown the picture up when you put his name up, but just yeah, said, I didn't figure it. out. I, you know, you know, <laughs> I, you know. So this is that second tier of O line that I was talking about because yeah. it was based on what the voters did. It was very obvious that they consider Zudu and Tucker top tier these two middle tier and then the third team guys that you'll see were like within a vote of each other that weren't close to these guys so um i did think brian anderson was a little bit low um he didn't have a great season last year but he didn't have a bad one and i think like he didn't necessarily i think him not hurting the team at center helps the team that's my view of being of a center 
right? I've already talked about him. Uh, I think he's as important as anybody on that line. Third team, second team defense time. First is two D linemen. Javari Ritzy, number three DL. Tamari Fox, number four. Hmm. And then that's – I'll just go through all of it to speed it up here a little bit. Number two outside linebacker, Tamon Fox behind Des Evans. Eugene Asante, obviously the number two inside guy. Storm Duck, Trey Morrison. Not much argument there. I, I, There's Eugene. I, I think Tamon Fox um, still wants you on record. I, I already Tamon, said it. Des Evans is going to be better. Just figure out what you want to lose, and then we'll bet. <laughs> Tamon Fox will lead the team in tackles for loss and sacks. And, and I do like Eugene Asante. I thought his play um, in his first real live action until he got worn out, uh, you know, against Texas A&M, I thought he was – I thought he was fantastic until maybe the midway to fourth quarter. For a little bit there, in those first couple of days, um, Eugene Asante was getting more votes than Jeremiah Gemmel. And then at the end of it, Jeremiah pulled away. But people really like Eugene Asante, and I think they should, just like you said. So, Yeah. Greg, any surprises there? I mean, I think that's pretty chalk. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think the fact that Ritzy's as high as he is is a little bit of a surprise. Um, I mean – you know, we heard a lot about Hester. We know that the coaching staff loves him. Uh, I feel like he's made some significant strides, both in maturity and in strength. Uh, but, you know, Ritzy's got the the Ritzy name, right? He's got the, uh, nice. the, the five-star label and all those kind of things. And no doubt that he'll be a, a stud for this defense at some point. Just uh, a question of whether or not this, that it's uh, this year or not. You know what's interesting, and I'll get y'all's take. Nobody or very few people on the message boards, and I consider the message boards the diehard of Carolina football, talk about Hester or Chris Collins. It's like they're not discussed at all, but yet when we talk to people and then you talk to – you hear Staples talk and you just mentioned, those guys are ones that are mentioned that to names you better pay attention to this year. I mean, Collins has the size. He just needs to put the a little quickness into it, and he could be really good on the edge. Go ahead. Third team offense? Yes. Just knock it all out. Throw it all up there. We'll see whose picture you put. <laughs> Bojangles there. Bojangles. He needs, you need to Photoshop a biscuit in there. Um, I thought about trying to pull a screen grab of his commercial from earlier, <laughs> but I didn't know if NIL rules, if I would be violating his contract. <laughs> No surprise for me here. We talked about Corrales, uh, Nesbitt, Montalus, Richards. It, it gets tough. These guys are going to play, especially the OL guys, obviously, are going to play a ton. Those are the six. The six OL guys that you've shown have been the six for – this is the third straight year, right, Greg, that those guys have been right. the six rotational. I think the biggest question would be who are the seventh and eighth ones? Well – and, and to that point, Tommy, you coming out of spring ball it was William Barnes. He was the story of the spring on the offensive line in terms of the coaching staff saying that it finally clicked for him uh, and he'd been working at tackle. And so I don't uh, think I put him on the pole, actually. So this is your fault. 
Okay. Yes. All right. That's why uh, William Barnes is not. Maybe but, not. He probably would have been not top three teams. But yeah. Well, and then yeah, to y'all's point, I mean, the the top six have been these guys. Uh, but that that's how you get to a point to figuring out if this offensive line is ready to take a step forward is if you have a number seven guy and have a number eight, if you've got six guys, you can make it work. If you have eight guys that you trust, now you're dealing because a lot of those guys can play different positions anyway. Um, and you don't have to ride the guys so hard. And even if it's not a matter of, Hey, he's hurt. We have to put somebody in for him. It's okay. He's played a lot of snaps this quarter. This is give him a breather. And you can do that with eight guys. Uh, so for this offense really to flourish, especially the offensive line, if a Barnes is ready or if a Jonathan Adorno or a Kieran Johnson, you know, if you get two of those three guys who are ready to, to play every single week, uh, you're in really good shape. Kieran was the number – no, Diego Pounds was number seven and Kieran was number eight based it, on that poll. I'll, I'll be surprised to see Diego Pounds play any meaningful snaps. Not saying he won't play. He'll play in some things. But I, I would be surprised and, and shocked, quite frankly, if he played meaningful snaps. And that's not a knock on him at all. I just hmm. think Carolina's got a ton of depth, experienced depth, at the offensive line that they don't necessarily need a freshman to walk in and play meaningful snaps. If that happens – uh, I think we're having a different conversation. I mean, there's no reason to break up that chemistry that these six guys have, right? So, I agree. Third team defense. Boom. I think this here is not surprising at all. I think Bingley Jones, um, we've heard his issues, um, and you guys will find out this later this week and, and in the camp is if the weight issues have been solved. Um, silver, silver looks awfully, he's a huge human being as well. Can he transition into the, but came on Rucker. I, I think he was one of my favorite guys to watch last year on the field. Cause he's disruptive and all. Um, I think on that team there, I think Rucker's the guy that's going to make the mo most noise. Greg, tell me why I'm wrong or right. Yeah. You know, I think Rucker he'll still play a hybrid role. Now, I think there's going to be obvious passing downs where Bateman will put him in at defensive end. I think he's that kind of player. Um, and I was, I was probably more impressed by him in limited reps last year than anybody else along the defensive front. Um, he's, he's, you see him and you're like, man, he's kind of small, but he's so quick and he's so physical. Uh, it's really impressive. The, um, you know, I will say Bingley Jones, a big name, was injured. A lot of high hopes. Uh, I would be shocked if he's at this level by the end of the season. I just – I don't see him being a factor this year, especially when you have guys like Clyde Pender uh, and Christian Varner who looked good in the spring and are clearly ahead of him. Um, you know, here's hoping that he gets back to full health soon. I mean, he may be there now. I know they were trying to get him to lose some weight this offseason. Uh, but he just has not played much. And I think with so many guys above him, if he does get to play some this year, it's going to say a lot about how good of a player he is because there's a lot of talented guys in front of him right now. The players have been very high on Bingley Jones, specifically 
uh, Ray Vahasek. That's a name that he throws around all the time. So it's probably has to do with the work that he's put in to get to a point where he can play rather than how he actually plays. But I think that speaks to a lot considering you come in highly regarded and then you miss your entire freshman year because of injury. Right. Right. So. Absolutely. And I think players, when you hear players talk about their teammates, they talk about those guys that work because they see it every day. And I think that's what we miss from the outside looking in. And definitely, you know, the fans miss a lot is that if you hear a player mention or multiple players mention a guy to your point, Gregory, then he's probably making significant noise in practice and in the gym and in the weight, in the weight room and all that. So, you know, I, it, it is amazing to me that we're in year three of Mac Brown, uh, Bateman and Longo, and they've got, they're not there yet. They're certainly not at a level anywhere close to Alabama or whatever. I mean, Alabama, we're talking about centers, Alabama lost their center last year, who was a, what, a four-year starter, five-year starter and missed nothing. I mean, it didn't, didn't slow down. Carolina's nowhere near that at this point, but they're getting there. And the fact that we're sitting here talking about uh, four and heavy five, star, heavy four star and five star guys on the quote unquote third team defense that the fan polls pick, what a difference uh, three years makes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Notre Dame was without two of their all star linemen against Carolina offensive linemen, which just speaks to how good that depth is in South Bend. Uh, Gregory, is the Geo Biggers get any uh, votes there, safety? He was the number four safety. Okay. He got 110 votes, so not far behind Cam Kelly here. Um, for yeah. corners, Dante Balfour got more votes than Day Day Hollins. <laughs> it's interesting. So, I mean, Which one has a better name? Well, um, probably Day Day, in my opinion. <laughs> I like the name Ladacent, like his full name. That's a well, sick name. What I like about it is his first year is DeAndre. True. Then it was Ladacent, and now it's Day Day. It kind of reminds me when I coached Little League way back in the day, we had all star votes. And the best player on our team was named whatever. I'm not going to throw his name out there. <laughs> But on the all-star ballot, for whatever reason, it had like, you know, say say y'all called me uh, Tom Ashley or Tommy Ashley. Well, on the all-star ballot, it went by, you know, some other name. Well, nobody knew who it was. So he got like no votes on the all-stars. It, it, I say that because he keeps changing his name. What's he expecting? The, this is, this is <laughs> off, a, uh, off on a tangent. <laughs> But when Sean Drawn was introduced to us, uh, however many years ago that was, what, 12 years ago now, I guess? Uh, you know, his name rhymed. It sounded great. Sean Drawn, you know, Sean's a great guy, super nice. Uh, and then I think it was before his junior year, UNC came to all the media and said, all right, so apparently we got his name wrong the first two years. <laughs> it's actually Sean Drone. It's not Drawn. We were like, Really? <laughs> We've been mispronouncing his name and everybody knew it for two years. What did you see? Travis Kelsey just came out and did that same thing. I did not. Uh -uh. It's not pronounced Kelsey. It's just Kells. Really? No. Yeah. Funny. yeah. 
It's Travis Kells. Just as long as he catches passes because he's my right. fantasy tight All of his teammates, like Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, were like, are you serious? We played together for how many years? And I've been just screaming Kelsey at you? So, so let's do this. Let me. I'm going to call on you, Gregory, first. Give me one guy on the offense, not named Sam Howell, um, from these. Oh, I forgot we had the, the yearly awards. Hold on. One guy on the offense that we went over. Uh, the however many names you don't have to go all the way back. Give me know, somebody. That's, give me some guy that's going to splash that people aren't expecting. Quick. Mm, Garrett Wilson. Greg. On offense. Yep. Um. Yeah, Kamari Morales. All right, defense, Gregory. Raw, I'll deal with. Greg. Uh, does Hester count? Yeah, I mean, because he's not on there. Not yeah. yeah, he was – I think he was the number eight lineman. Okay. I'm going to go uh, – No, he was number seven behind, and then him and Pender were seven and eight. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead, Tommy. All right. No, I'm not going to pick anybody. I'm the host. I don't have to pick. But I do All think right. Kmon Rucker will be a monster um, in limit, still in limited time for the defense. All right, freshman of the year. Who is it? Does does would Ritzy count? Yes, of course. Uh, it had to be Ritzy, right? Yeah, it was Ritzy. Yeah. Yeah. And these though, are all other freshmen that got votes. Nice. I would, uh, you know, if they rotate backs as much as they did last year, I think Caleb Hood can move up that food chain. But I just don't yep. see that happening. And, and Power Eccles is a guy that could make some noise. But when you've got Gimmel and Eugene Asante um, playing your position. See, in the story that I wrote for this, that'll come out in the morning, kind of going in depth more on all of these picks. That's exactly what I had said about, wrote about Caleb Hood, is that Ritzy might be the most talented freshman coming in. Although Keyshawn Silver might be above him, but he didn't really play this spring because he was injured. But Caleb Hood has the most room to make a higher impact because it's really just Ty Chandler in front of him. Whereas Ritzy has Ray Bahasek, Tamari Fox, who slipped on this pole, but is still up there and more proven than Ritzy is. Whereas Hood, they need him to make an impact if they want their offense to be what it what, what it can be. So that's kind of what I wrote. Yeah. I agree. What's next? Next is just offense or defense, and those are there for some reason. But which is which? Who got 610 votes and who got 215 votes? This is which one's going to be better? Yes. Offense is going to be better. Yes. I thought it was going to be closer because I think the defense, I'm very high on the defense this season. So let me ask this. Question. I thought it was going to be like 60, 40. Hmm. Really? Yes. I, I think, I don't know if there's a, if it's a fallacy or good word. it's true. I know big words tonight. Um, is that Carolina's offense is always going to be good regardless of who's in there. I don't know if that's accurate, but I do think the defense um, needs to be much better. So I think if Carolina's had the season that fans expect, that number that you see on your screen needs to be closer to 50-50. Let me ask you a question, and this is sort of a segue to a guest we'll have on this show next week. Um, Josh Pate talks about a hinge player for North Carolina, Greg, um, and I'm going to ask him about it next week. A hinge player means, I guess folks understand, if he's really good, then the team's going to be really good and vice versa. 
He says that guy's Ty Chandler for Carolina's offense. Do you think that's – is Chandler that type of difference maker for this offense? I mean, I think because Carter and Williams were so good, people think that you have to be that good at that position. Um, so is Ty Chandler that guy for the offense, or is there somebody else? I don't think so. I, I think it's got to be Josh Downs because we know what, what Choffrey can bring. We know what Bo Corrales can bring. And if Josh Downs lives up to the hype that the staff put on him in the spring, because they said, as Max said, he's not good, he's great. That's high accolades. Um, and if Downs is that player, this offense won't see much of a drop-off. Um, I think there's enough options in the backfield when you have an offensive line like UNC has and you have a Heisman candidate quarterback, uh, your ground game is going to be decent as long as the backs are decent. And so I don't know that Ty Chandler, while he is more experienced than the other guys, I don't know that he's more talented than some of them. Um, I think he's just going to benefit from being the more experienced guy and therefore he's going to get some of the numbers. But I don't think that he's necessarily a difference maker. Yeah, and, and just looking at YouTube before we get out of here, and we can talk about other stuff next week. Uh, that'll be a debate we'll have, by the way, Greg, next week. So get your stats ready to roll. Hey, let me say this real quick. I think you made a, a good point there, Tommy, about quarterbacks. Um, the offenses are never, are never in a situation where they just continue to be good year after year after year. It doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, Oklahoma may be the only case – but Oklahoma's had great quarterbacks. I mean, look at what Larry Fedora did his first uh, five years, I guess, in, in Chapel Hill. He had Bren Renner. He had Marquise Williams and Mitch Trubisky. That was one of the greatest stretches of North Carolina quarterback play that we've seen. And everybody said, oh, it's just Larry Fedora's offense. Well, you lose those quarterbacks and what happens? The offense looked uh, mediocre at best. That's generous. Right. Um, and when I, when I talked with Mac Brown before his North Carolina Hall of Fame induction a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about you know, the transition, him coming in and, and what worked so well. And he said, look, you know, I'm familiar with the place. I knew a lot of the boosters. Um, I understand what it takes. I have the connections with high school kids and all that. But he made sure to add in Sam Howe because he knew the talent that Sam Howe was. He knew he knows what Sam Howe has done the last two years, he's not a dime a dozen kind of guy. He is a generational quarterback, the best we've ever seen come through Chapel Hill. And I think it's a discredit to Sam to say, oh, well, the next guy's going to be just as good because of this offense. Sam Howell is incredible. Watching him this spring, he's phenomenal. I mean, the worst passes he was throwing, a guy may have had to turn a little bit to catch it. There have been spring practices where I've seen quarterbacks miss guys on simple routes by five yards. And somehow you don't see that with them. Uh, so, so just be sure to make sure you, you appreciate the talent that he is and understand that you've got to have great quarterback play. It's not just the offense. It is fascinating to see people say they're, they're just system quarterbacks. Well, it's not a video game where you can just like, plug in the next video game you know the video game quarterback it, they got to be able to do what they're supposed to do and you're right how's different and here here's the thing that i expect or, or that i see um folks get spoiled we all do 
I mean, you guys do covering them. We all do watching them and uh, folks need to realize that you can go from zero to 60 really fast when you have a good quarterback, but if something changes, you can go from 60 to zero in a hurry. So what I'll be watching for, and people give me hell for the backup quarterback talk is, but, but Carolina's (laughs) got, Carolina's got to get whoever the backup quarterback is going to be. He's got to get reps and it's got to get time. And that is something that we'll watch all season. And I'm going to talk about it all season um, because you just don't have a guy. When we saw Sam Howell in South Carolina two years ago, nobody knew what they were getting. I don't True. care what people said. I don't. The coaching staff didn't know what they were getting. And they, you know, they threw this guy out there. They had faith that he was their guy. They chose him over two guys that had had time, not much, but it had time. And we see what's happened. And now this is year three of that. And I agree with you, Greg. I mean, we'll talk about it all the season. People need to enjoy, not only enjoy it, but realize it. It, it is not the norm, especially in Chapel Hill. Gregory, since you put this together, um, folks talked about props for the PowerPoint. I did feel like I was back in uh, maybe uh, Mr. Peterson's you know, English class or, or some sort of class back in high school with the PowerPoint. I'll let you close it, man, with your closing thoughts on all this. Well, since y'all are talking quarterbacks, week two is against Georgia State, right? Who's the second quarterback out on the field? Drake May. Good point. Right? I think that'll come clear and clear throughout training camp. And I think we'll probably know who that guy is by maybe week, the second week of training camp, probably. Great point. Yep. We, we will find out. And I think in, in that, that's when you start seeing the future, I think, that week against uh, so, Somebody State. on the chat made a good point. We need a backup QB jingle. So whenever uh, we start talking Every time it, Tommy mentions it, I just play press a button. Right. And a little song. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a button around here somewhere. Probably can't, can't use that one. I'll just say um, go mango. That is the but, uh, code for backup. Go ahead, Gregory. Close us up. Yeah. Uh, first of all, we had 825. So no Twitter for G Biggie over here because we fell 175 short. So only so just blame yourselves at this point. Don't don't blame Greg. He's giving you what? There's been like three chances now on these lives. So keep that in mind. Look, you um, uh, you also gave away some some prizes for people that voted. Give a shout to those people if you can call them up. Um, uh, let's see their number. I've got their names here. We've got Deldrick Searles. He was one winner. Thomas Coons Kuns was another winner from Stockbridge, Georgia. Harold Curry from Cary. Will Hardy from Greenville, North Carolina. And then there's one more who I haven't been able to track down yet. But we got we had five winners. We will do this exact same thing at the end of the season. So keep so watch your Carolina football, and we'll do a similar version as far as in kind of comparing who you guys projected or thought would be where they were and who actually performed. So I think we could see some, uh, some changes with that. Maybe not many, but definitely some considering Des Evans will stay where he is. And Tommy thinks Tamon Fox will take that place, but we'll see. All right, Mark, Greg, who do you think's right here? I, I'll, I'll get the legend to, to uh, chime in and we'll see how it plays out, but I'm going to Mon Fox. Um, 
Yeah. That's as close to a Greg Barnes eye roll as you're going to get. No, I, <laughs> I think Tamon Fox is a good pick. Oh, see there. The olds stick together, Gregory. The olds. What if they have the same numbers? Then Carolina's uh, defense is going to be looking pretty good. I agree with that. If For they sure. have the same numbers, then I'll give you Des Evans. Uh, over-under on 10 wins. I think I had 10 as the over-under when we did our over-under podcast. <laughs> so, think... like, regular season? In a 12-game regular season? Yeah, we'll go with that. I, I think it depends below. on week one. They beat Virginia Tech week one. I'm going over 10. Yes. Without question. If they lose, under. Obviously. I think nine and a half. No, not obviously. Number. Would you bet – how much would you bet on – what kind of money would you lay on a nine and a half line on the win total, Greg? Where, what are the odds? I don't know how that works. Just how much money, man. Nine and a half. Um, yeah, I mean – I think the potential is there for, for 10 wins. Um, I think 10 is probably more likely than nine. So I'd be willing to put money on that with the line being at 10, where if they win 10 games, you push, don't win anything. Uh, I'm not sure I'd, I'd put money on that. So I mean, it really is kind of a fine, fine line there. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before. Notre Dame's a really tough game. I don't expect them to win that one. And then you're talking about do they win, they lose just one more. I mean, at Virginia Tech, Miami, at NC State, I think Virginia and at Pitt are going to be tough games. Uh, I think they lose at least two. I had them at – when I was going through it, I had them at 10-2 and two with either going 1-1 one and one against Miami and Notre Dame. Not sure how that's going to pan out. And then a loss to at Pittsburgh. It was my choice go-to. Like, they probably – like, they should win that game, but that's a game that they could definitely drop. Well, so for housekeeping matters and folks that are still listening to this, one, uh, it's Blue Shark and it is the sponsor of the IC Post Game Show that you'll be able to get uh, streaming immediately after Carolina football games this year. You need to check that out. It's a new thing from us uh, and it'll be worth your listen. We'll also be doing Inside Carolina Live three hours before kick um, in the bowls lot for the home game. So you need to come check that out. We'll be passing out stuff. Um, you can get an Inside Carolina sticker and some other swag that they bring out there. Uh, that'll be fun. Also, the podcast. People talk about the On The Beat podcast going to YouTube Live. Right now, it's scheduled to go to YouTube Live only. We're going to release this one in podcast form again to keep it going. Um, but during the season, we will have at least six weekly shows, um, podcasts that will come your way. So, You'll get Greg Barnes, you'll get Jason Staples, Gregory Hall, you'll get all of the guys, you'll get Ross and, and Joey Powell, everybody. Um, so your your podcast feed will be loaded up, but we'll have some fun on this YouTube live show um, as we build the fan base of this show, start doing giveaways, start having more interactions. Um, it, it is a fun time at Inside Carolina, so much going on, football season starting. Uh, you will not want to miss it here and certainly join us in the bowls lot. Worst case, listen to us um, on the pregame shows as we did it the past couple of years. They've been fun. It's just a blast to work for Insight Carolina. If you missed the 20-year um, written thing, I don't read a bunch anymore, but it's worth your read uh, to get the history of Insight Carolina with Ben Sherman and Buck Sanders and have certainly uh, 
Greg Barnes has been a major part of that. I've been around for a little bit. Now Gregory Hall is one of our newest permanents. So uh, it, it's a fun time to be an Inside Carolina member. Guys, any closing comments? Gregory, I'll let you go. Uh, well, On the Beat will be live throughout the season Tuesdays. Nine, or if Tommy's tired, we'll do it at eight. Um, Dude, I'm ready to party. <laughs> Great. With that what blue shark in your hand. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got some, we've got some like some minor, some minor graphics coming to help out the the live stream. So I'm working wow. on I'm working on that a little bit. So it won't hopefully it won't just be our three heads just chilling. Big news. Do you need headshot? Do you need me to send headshots? I can get those. I can go to glamour shots. If anyone in the chat knows how to take Tommy's <laughs> head and turn it into a cartoon, please do that. I think we need glamour shots. That'd be great. <laughs> really, man. Uh, do, do they have those at the mall anymore? Anyway. We're, I have no idea what you're talking about. So You don't know what a glamour shot is? Dang, no. man. What, what, it is to be, what it is to be young. So those things when like, I used to go to the mall. My mom used to drag us to the mall, like those mall photo shoot things yes, right there. Absolutely. Right next to the Orange Julius. Pick any outfit you wanted. Greg, closing closing comments i know you've got a lot going on um with the season underway camp starting tomorrow hold on someone asked if i was 12 i'm not 12 23 not far off they're giving you a hard time don't give <laughs> a hard time you're gonna get you come down to the bowls lot giving gregory a hard time we're gonna have there's gonna be stuff moving around greg go ahead get us back on track well really the main thing is that because of how things have shaped up this summer with COVID, uh, North Carolina is still going to be doing a lot of the initial post-practice interviews via Zoom, just so people know. Uh, but we will have full access on Thursday for the entire practice. Yes, they're just in uh, jerseys pretty much because they have to go through the, the five-day NCAA uh, acclimation period. Uh, but we'll get a good look at the guys. And it's actually beneficial when you see them without all the pads because you can see – who's bulked up and who's not, and who looks good, those kind of things. Uh, so, so stay tuned for, for Thursday afternoon because we'll have a lot of good quality content and some good insight on how this team looks. Looking forward to it, boys. Johnny T-shirts, our sponsor. I did not talk about them in the middle of the show, but I'm going to talk about them now. You get some cool Johnny T-shirt gear if you go to their website and if you go to see them on Franklin Street. Wonderful folks. And they look after Inside Carolina. They look after Inside Carolina premium subscribers. Uh, visit them you get 10 percent off if you're uh, a premium subscriber and you get all this stuff you get this guy named sherelle mcmillan that drops all the basketball knowledge and then don callahan this guy he drops all the football knowledge and you know everything if you just subscribe to inside carolina if you're watching this and you haven't just pull the trigger and get it done it's worth it 100 percent gregory hall greg barnes i'm tommy ashley this has been on the beat live we're gonna be here every tuesday at 9 p.m join us live Get a mention, get a shout out, come join the fun. Uh, you can drink some mango water, whatever you want to drink, bring it with you. It's always a fun time here at InsideCarolina.com's On The Beat Live. Boys, I appreciate you joining me. Yes, sir. Yep, thanks, Tommy. Thank you. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. 
As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.